Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I am. Um, I didn't know that the uh, disgraceful ice bucket challenge thing was going to be shown on the screen. I've seen it now three times. I'm waiting for the time when I swear on camera. <laughs> I don't, it's okay. It was very cold. And I, I apparently scream like a girl, I was told, but um, I refute that as well. Um, I'd love it if you turn in your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles, and we're coming towards the conclusion of a series of talks that we have entitled Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Um, based on the understanding that, that there was once a church that changed the world. I mean, literally, it's not just preachers' hyperbole. There was once a church that changed the world, a church of people who numbered about 100 in number and were fearful. They were scared. Everyone was out to get them. Jesus was dead. Okay, he'd risen from the dead, but the whole movement stuff was, you know, gone. And they were worried and they were scared and they were hiding and then something happened. The Holy Spirit showed up and then this church began to grow. And from a few hundred people to about 50% of the Roman Empire within a couple of hundred years, this church grew. It was an incredible thing. And we stand on their shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of all those who have gone before us, who had faith in Jesus, who said Jesus is Lord and he's alive and he changes stuff and he transforms situations and we stand on, on the shoulders of those guys and we can learn a whole stack of stuff. And so we're going to teach uh, today from Acts chapter 19 through into Acts chapter 20 and we're going to take a look at the church at Ephesus. Do you know, um, Nikki and I moved to Edinburgh just about 10 years ago and and I remember saying to Nikki, do you know, I long, I don't know if this is a weird thing to confess to a congregation, but I long to lead a church that I would go to. Have you ever thought something like that? I long to lead a church that I would actually go to and want to be part of. And, uh, and that was really the kind of thought in my head. I just want to, I want to lead a group of people that I want to be part of because I believe in their stuff. I believe in what they're doing, and, um, and it's wonderful just to hear stories. God's doing stuff, and I, 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 I love this. And the first series of sermons that I taught 10 years ago, and I've taught probably hundreds of series of sermons from that moment onwards, and, and uh, you would be put completely within your rights to think, why buy that book? Because I know everything he says. Uh, you know, but I have, but the first series of sermons that I taught was a series of sermons entitled The Church We Want to Be. And it was based on this story of this church that changed the world. And we talked about the fact we want to be a church that is inclusive. We want to be a church that is hospitable. We want to be a church that is generous. We want to be a church that does community and does community well, that does life on life and does it really well. We want to be a church that is so deeply attractive that the Lord is adding to our number those who are being saved. We want to be a church that impacts our community because Jesus is always going to impact the community. That's the kind of church we want to be. And I'm sure that if you were there, some of you thought, yay! And some of you thought, I've got no idea what he's going on about. And, but God has done something. God has done something. I was at a wedding 
Um, I was at a wedding yesterday uh, where I married... When I say I married, it always sounds a bit weird. I performed the marriage ceremony for Meshach Akeni Ibilu Chukwa Iboji. Oh, yeah. And, and that's not even correct. I just did it fast. I, 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 I stayed up nights sweating to get this name, you know, sort of. I was at a wedding two weeks previously. I didn't, that's got nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to repeat it again to you and get you to be impressed. Um, but I, I went to a wedding two weeks previously when a, a girl came up to me, and it was a very posh wedding, and uh, it was lovely. And she came up to me and said, Carl, isn't it? I said, yes. She said, you do the um, Jesus heart thing, don't you? And I said, uh, well, I think so, yeah. Do you mean... Jesus at the heart, that's what, that's what we do. And, and we've got this thing. And to be honest, when I talk to some of my friends, it's a bit embarrassing. Because my email address is carl at Jesus at the heart. And, and everyone who's in the staff, their email address is so-and-so at Jesus at the heart. And you have to write, you know, you have to spell it out for them because they never get the two T's in the right place. And it's all a bit kind of, and it sounds a bit cheesy. But the whole series of sermons I preached 10 years ago was about that. We didn't use that language because we didn't have that language, but it was about saying, we want to be a church that if you squeeze it, Jesus comes out. I want to be a church that if you crush it, Jesus comes out. I want to be a church that, that if you slice it and dice it, whichever way you slice it and dice it, it comes out Jesus. It flows Jesus because at the end of the day, he is the vision, he is the values, he's the, he's the truth, he's the only truth. It's all about Jesus. It looks like Jesus. It flows like Jesus. And yeah, we'll probably change at some stage the branding and we probably will change the building a little bit and we'll change the vision, we'll grow and develop and we'll buy other buildings and it will all change. But actually, the values that it's all about Jesus will always remain because we're supposed to be the body of Jesus, the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus. We're supposed to be the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We're supposed to look like Jesus. And the secret to this early church was that it was just Jesus everywhere. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19 and we're going to read and uh, I'm really already gone massively off script so no idea where we're going to go. But we are going to go to Acts chapter 19 and, and Paul gets to Ephesus which is in um, the west coast of modern day Turkey Back in the day, it was Asia Minor, and it was the leading city of, of, of Asia and one of the greatest cities in the Roman Empire, and Paul had been there before. He'd been there just, I think, for a few days, and he'd gone into the synagogue, and he started to preach, and he'd reasoned, and he said, I'm coming back. So when we see Paul in Acts chapter 19, it's his return trip to Ephesus. And, uh, and then he develops this fledgling, this relationship with this fledgling church. Uh, a relationship that he's going to have for the longest time. He, he pastors the church in Ephesus for three years, which is longer than any other job that he has. Um, and, uh, and he has this deep relationship with the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus is going, to, is going to become the most significant church in the world for the next 300 years. You know, they have a whole bunch of celebrity pastors. They've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. They send out missionaries. They become the church that everyone wants to be part of, Ephesus. And the heart of it 
is Jesus. And yet they learn a very cool strategy. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And, 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 and yes, they've got incredible leadership. But the heart of it is Jesus at the heart. The Spirit of God introduces Jesus to a whole stack of people. And everything changes. So let's read together. Acts chapter 19, the church in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd speak to us, challenge and change and encourage our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The secret to um, the success of this church is the Spirit of God. Oh, oh, there's some strategic stuff that's really important that we need to understand, and it will be good just to stop for a moment and pinpoint, but the secret to the success of this church is the Spirit of God. The secret of Jesus at the heart is the Spirit of God. Um, they've got a strategy, and it's an incredible strategy. It's a strategy that Paul uh, first began to get his head around in Philippi, and, and he takes it to Ephesus, and it becomes perfectly formed in Ephesus. His, his, his strategy is this. Not everyone is going to come to synagogue. I mean, he gets to Philippi, and there is no synagogue. 
And so what does he do with this incredible news that started off in Judaism and now is for everybody? He, he, he finds a place of prayer. Some people who might be interested and he just starts to communicate and he finds a household, a family, and he starts to live out the truth of Jesus in that family. And before he leaves Philippi, there are two families. Greek word oikos, extended family. Mum, dad, grandparents, probably servants, slaves, their families, 40, 50, 60, 70 people just living together in some kind of community, sharing life, eating food, uh, possessions that are not yours, they're everybody's. Something incredible began to happen. And that was the secret, strategically, to how the gospel spread. Because not everyone's going to go to synagogue, just like not everyone's going to be in church. Not everyone's going to come around a building like this. Plenty of people will think this is freaky. Not everyone is going to come to your small group where you discuss the stuff that you used to talk about in this building thing. And instead of the gospel being incredibly inclusive, it becomes incredibly exclusive. It's for the people who think the way we think, look the way we look, and are keen on coming to the stuff that we like to come to. But Paul says... I taught you publicly, not in the synagogue, in the hall of Tyrannus, which was open to more people, and from household to household, from oikos to oikos. And suddenly this inclusive message becomes for everybody in every portion and part of life. Guys, if all we do is this, it's not good news. It's not good news. If all we do when we meet together outside of this is discuss this, it's not good news. Or, or it might be good news. But to the already convinced, to those who are not already convinced, they're never going to experience good news. Then they're going to have life lived out amongst them. They're never going to touch people who touch good news. They're never going to be infected by the gospel of Jesus because we never hang out with them. We never share life with them. We never eat food with them. We never give things to them. We never love on people. I hate that phrase, love on people. It's a weird phrase, isn't it? We never love people actively. So Paul gets a strategy. He moves out of the synagogue. He says, well, then I'm not going to accept it there. And he moves to the hall of Tyrannus, where he preaches every day from 11 till 4. And you thought, I preached for a long time. I mean, I think it's a discussion, actually. But that's what's going on, 11 till 4, every day. And then from household to household. Why? Because not everyone's going to be in synagogue, but some people can come to the hall. Not everyone can come to the hall, but most people are in families. You cannot do life on life in the hall. You do it in the family. And that's how the good news of Jesus gets spread. And that's why we do missional communities. Do you know, and I have enough people coming to me and saying, well, you know, missional communities, it's just the new fad. It's the thing that we're doing right now. We'll be doing something else another time. We'll be something new. That comes along, and I agree wholeheartedly with them. It's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle. And vehicles come, and vehicles go, and vehicles will change, and vehicles will be upgraded at some stage. But whatever the vehicle is, We've got to do life with one another. We've got to break bread with one another. We've got to share things with one another. We've got to care for one another. We've got to love one another. 
We've got to include people who would be excluded because that's the good news of Jesus. That's how people catch it. And so the Ephesian church has got a strategy and the strategy begins to work. But, but, but the secret to their success is the spirit of God. Take, take a look at Acts 19 and let's just study really quickly, well, maybe not as quickly as you'd like, but relatively quickly in this portion of the scripture. I want you to notice this. I, I want to be part of a church where the Holy Spirit is real and active and alive and we're full of it and it pours out of us. And I I suspect if I came around with a microphone, there'd be a whole bunch of people who would agree with that kind of statement. But before you do, let me tell you three things that are just warnings. First thing is this. The Holy Spirit is always an experience and an encounter. The Holy Spirit is not a concept or a theology. He is an experience and an encounter. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is always wanting to introduce Jesus to us, and he is always wanting to grow the life of Jesus in us. That's what he does. He's part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not forgotten. He's not ignored. He's not not to be worshipped. He's part of God. He is God. The Holy Spirit is an experience. Something weird happens here. Paul meets the first people who are trying somehow to follow this way of life in Ephesus, and they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So presumably what they're doing is they're trying to live in a way that is consistent with Jesus and consistent with Jesus' teachings and consistent with the way of life Jesus encourages us to do, but they're doing it without any power. Have you ever experienced that? Just trying to do the stuff. Because you know you've got to do the stuff. But you have no power to do the stuff. I meet so many Christians who are kind of one step forward, two steps back in their Christian experience. I meet people who are trying to, trying to, trying to live the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Even if they wouldn't articulate it like this. They're trying to live the Holy Spirit and they're trying, they're trying somehow to have joy and peace and patience and kindness and, and, and love and faithfulness and self-control. But they're trying to have self-control and they're trying to have peace and they're trying to have joy. You don't have joy when you're trying to have joy. They're trying to have peace. You're not having peace. You're having conflict and strife inside you. Well, you're trying to have peace and it all becomes a work of the flesh and it's so hard and it's so difficult because you haven't got the Holy Spirit. These things are fruits of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to use gifts and abilities, but these gifts are gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an experience. He's an encounter. Oh yeah, he's a dynamic, constant experience because Paul writes later to this church in Ephesus and he says in Ephesians 5, chapter 18, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, which means it's a momentary, every day, every moment of every day, dynamic experience because you leak, he needs to fill you more with the Holy Spirit, but it is an encounter. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Do you experience the Holy Spirit? Or is it still one step forward, two steps back? Are you growing in your walk with Jesus? Do you look more like Jesus? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Because he wants to encounter you. 
and walk with you. I want to be part of a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. Notice, secondly, if, if you're thinking about whether that's true for you, that the Holy Spirit is not just an experience. The Holy Spirit will create a mess. I want to be part of a church that's messy. I am part of a church that's messy. And, and I don't really want to be part of a church that's messy because I like things to be ordered. I like things to be neat. I like things to be tight. Well, ordered for me. But, but, but church that is full of the Holy Spirit is incredibly messy. We read that the first believers in Ephesus came. And, and notice this, they are believers and they come to Paul and they come with their magic books. Hello. And, 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 and then they, they not only come with their magic books but they come and they decide after they have come to faith in Jesus sometime later, they decide to put behind them the stuff that they're doing that's incompatible with Jesus. And we think, hang on, you're supposed to do all of that, aren't you, in a deal? You come to Jesus, you deal with all your stuff, you get all clean and nicey-nicey, and then you hang out in church and nothing's a problem from that moment onwards. But that's not the way it works. That's not how it works. A church that's full of the Holy Spirit is incredibly messy. You're going to have people behaving in a way that you don't want them to behave. Thinking stuff you don't want them to think, think saying stuff you don't want them to say. Guys, if we're going to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to be a church that makes a difference in this world, we've got to expect people not to behave before they belong. How, you know, how can we expect people to behave in a way that's consistent with Jesus before they believe in Jesus? And we know that even when they come to believe in Jesus, this journey is, is long, and it's, it's step by step, and it's very ziggy-zaggy. One step forward, two steps back, three steps sideways. Just trying to follow Jesus. Just want to make a difference in this world. I, you know, here's the deal. If, if I don't judge you for your sin, will you not judge me for mine? If, 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 I, if I don't judge you for your inconsistencies, will you not judge me for mine? Stop, stop judging someone's sin because it's just different from ours. It's going to be messy. And then something else happens. A group of guys come along and, and, and they want Jesus at the heart because of the undeniable power of Jesus at the heart. They want Jesus for what they can get out of Jesus. And, and we've just read the story. It's all a bit messy and it's all a bit beaten up and naked and all that kind of stuff. And, and we don't want church to be like that. Because we're not used to church being like that. Churches, you come, you sit down, you listen to someone speak, you don't interrupt and Please don't interrupt. You, you have someone plays that, you know, and we sing songs and then we leave feeling blessed for the rest of the church. Church is not people doing the wrong thing at the wrong time and get beaten up and naked. That's not church. And so what we tend to do is we try and control God and the Holy Spirit. We don't want it to be messy, so we'll limit it, we'll box it in, we'll make it look like this. And, and the problem is you control the life out of it. Because how do you know whether actually that's what God, God is doing right now? And we just got to run with it. I, I want to be part of a church where people shout out and bring their dogs. Do you honestly? I, we used to go to the, no, stay with me for a second. When we were at the Braid Center, we used to have a couple of homeless guys who brought their dogs. And, and I hated it, and I loved it. 
I thought, I want to be part of a church like that. We used to have a couple of guys who would very often stand up and shout obscenities at me. And I hated it, and I, and I loved it. I love that you can be that kind of church. I want to be part of a church where people walk in on a Sunday evening, sit down there, and sleep all the way through my sermon. <laughs> Some of you wish you could do that as well. I, I, I hate that, and I absolutely love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I want to be part of a church where people feel free to dance and express themselves and don't get embarrassed about it. I want to be free to be part of a church where the pastor hides the flags so that people waving flags can't wave them. <laughs> but, but I want to be free for people to make new flags. As long as you don't stick them anywhere near me, it's okay. And, and before you all run off and go and get your dog, <laughs> I just think it needs to be messy. And we've just got to stop judging one another and saying it's got to be like this and it's got to be boxed in and we've got to behave in a certain way. No, no, no. All of us are being conformed to the person of Jesus Christ. All of us are having our stuff dealt with by the spirit of Jesus. All of us are, are in a process of being forgiven and being cleaned up and, and, and it's, it's just a mess. But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mess. That's the kind of church I want to be part of. So, so if, if we say, yes, Holy Spirit, it's going to be an experience, and some of you need to experience the Holy Spirit. And when you experience the Holy Spirit, you will know. You will know. Some of you are going, I've got no idea. That, that's because you need to experience the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of Jesus. And, and some of us are going, oh, messy, messy, messy. Let me tell one, one, one further thought is, is, is this. The fullness of the Holy Spirit will provoke a fight. If we, if we open ourselves up to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we will be in a fight. So Paul arrives in Ephesus and, and God authenticates his message with incredible things. I mean, check it out. The power of God, in the spirit of God, we get handkerchiefs and aprons and it's weirdy, weirdy stuff and people touch a handkerchief and they get healed and I've got no idea. I have got a theology that works for that kind of stuff. But, but the only thing I've got is this. When God shows up, he does God things. That's all I've got. When, when God shows up, he just does God things. If he's God, he, expect him to do stuff that is freaky and weird and beyond and, 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 and confounds us because he's God. But here's the thing. When God shows up, expect to be in a fight. When, whenever Paul went anywhere, there were two things that always accompanied him. He always got revival and a riot always. Everywhere he went, revival and a riot. So revival because everybody in this world is hardwired for a relationship with Jesus. They just don't know it yet. So the moment that Jesus gets demonstrated and lived out and spoken, people start getting saved. It doesn't make sense, but that's what happens. That's what we should expect. That's why it's not unrealistic for me to say day by day, moment by moment, we should be seeing more and more people come to know Jesus because, that, because we're just hardwired to know Jesus. Revival. Riot, because wherever the kingdom of light comes, it exposes the kingdom of darkness. And people don't like it. It's just the reality of it. So whenever you shine the kingdom of light into the dark places in Edinburgh, the kingdom of darkness will... It won't exactly make that noise. But... We'll get aggressive and angry and, and, and want to have a fight about it because we will expose the stuff that is not of the kingdom of light. It's time to pick a fight. It's time to pick a fight. In Ephesus, there's a riot. 
those who are financially secure because their business serves a shrine to the goddess Artemis have their livelihood threatened because the kingdom of light comes. And when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to be part of a church that does that, where we shine light on evil and injustice and control and manipulative power. I want to be part of a movement that is so restoratively different that it gets up the noses of those who have interest in limiting people and preserving corruption. I want to lead a church that gets angry when people are used and abused and limited and restricted. I want to be part of a church that gets angry when people's dreams are suffocated, when people are squashed, when people are put into a mold from a very early age and told, this is what you will amount to when lives are enslaved. I want to be part of a church that picks a fight in the power of the Holy Spirit and says there are certain things that just should not be. Just shouldn't be. There shouldn't be women trafficked into our nation and sold for sex. That just shouldn't be. It's just, it's not even a kind of, it's a no-brainer. It's not even on balance. This just should not be. There shouldn't be people who are sleeping rough on the street. There just shouldn't be. There shouldn't be a huge inequality between those who have so much and those who have so little. We're supposed to be the bridge between that. It just, it just shouldn't be. There's a whole bunch of stuff that just shouldn't be. Not opinion, just no-brainer. Because the kingdom of God has come. And every time we start exposing this stuff, I predict a riot. That's what will happen. Every time. I want to be part of a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul leaves. I mean, he's introduced them to the Holy Spirit. He's introduced them to an encounter, and he's introduced them to a fight, and he's introduced them to a mess, and then he, then he leaves. Good pastor. He just leaves and then he, he, he goes and he meets the Ephesian elders later and you'll read about it in Ephesians, in, Ephesians, in Acts 20, a place called Miletus. And he starts saying, you, shot, you saw my life. You saw my passion. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die there. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in prison. It's going to be horrendous. All this stuff's going to happen to me. Church with Jesus at the heart. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be part of. I want to be part of a church which strategically gets it right, but I want to be part of a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and your calling will be different to Paul's, different to mine. And Paul says, I'm going to prison and I'm going to Jerusalem and probably won't last. And it's probably not quite as dramatic for you. It might be. And your calling might be your school or your workplace or your family or your street or your friends or... But the call is still the same, Jesus at the heart. The call is still the same, the message is still the same. There is a Father in heaven who loves us, who loves us so much that he sent Jesus for us. And Jesus went taught incredible things and set his face towards a cross and he died and he rose again and he's alive today and he's here and he's able and the spirit of God has been poured out so that you might have life and same message just different vehicle there was once a church here's the thing Jesus writes to this incredible church 
This church, which is the best church in the world, this, this church who got the strategy right and the spirit right and it's all incredible stuff and, and, and at least at one time it had Jesus at the heart and, and Jesus writes to this church and he says, you're doing great. You'll read about it in Revelation chapter two. He says, you're busy and you're good and you're sound, which most churches would be really pleased about that. You're busy, you're doing loads of stuff, you're really good, you do some good stuff, and your sound, your theology is right. And, and then he says, but this I hold against you, you have neglected, left your first love. Jesus at the heart. It's become about everything else. It's become about the program and the church and the building and the pastor and the stuff. And the, it's become about my social life and like getting ahead in life. I, I know what it's become about, but it's so easy for those things to slip. And they're devastated. And then Jesus says, but we can do something about that. If you remember what it was like when Jesus was at the heart. And, and if you repent for what it is like where he's not. And if you redo the things that you used to do when everything was Jesus and the vision was Jesus and the answer was Jesus and the hope was Jesus and the security was Jesus, then I won't leave. I'll be at the heart. There was once a church that changed the world. And you know, I, I think I might just have found a church that I would join if I wasn't leading it. But I want to make sure that we're a church full of the Holy Spirit. And I want to make sure that we're a church that is for everybody, not just for the few. And I want to make sure that we're a church that one day we will sit down together. We'll sit down because we can't stand up because we're spent. <laughs> we, we're spent living the kingdom of God. We're spent having a blast. We're spent, we just sit down. And we say things like, do you remember when homelessness was an issue in Edinburgh? And they had that organization, what was it called? It's Bethany, wasn't it? Oh, they don't do that anymore. Did you remember when drugs were, were an issue amongst the kids? Do you remember that? That was, a, that, was a, that was an evil time. Do you remember what God did with a group of ordinary people who had Jesus at the heart? Do you remember when they used to have those, those sex shops and the, you know, the sauna bars and, and that, that whole area over there used to be called something I can't even repeat in church and, and it's, it's kind of the worst. You know, remember, do you remember, do you remember what, see what God's done bringing light into, into darkness through a group of ordinary people who will say, Jesus is going to be at the heart. That's, that's all. That's what's going to happen. Do you remember when our kids were bored and, and spent most of their time in screens and, 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 and you know, just were a bit disruptive and to see what's going on now, they're purposeful and they've got life because a group of people said, you know what, we're going to be passionate about making sure that Jesus is at the heart of this. Do you remember? Why, why don't we do these things again? I want to be part of a church like that. Let's pray.
the thing I think we're supposed to do right now is um, invite the Holy Spirit to come. And as we invite the Holy Spirit to come, um, there are some of you who've never experienced the Holy Spirit and for whom it's a weird concept even. You've maybe even had teaching that says it's not for now or not for today or not for you or, or it's self-indulgent. There is always more of God to experience. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and whether you've experienced and know and encountered the Holy Spirit thousands of times or whether that's never been your experience, you can ask him just to come. He's the Spirit of Jesus, so he's okay. And he just wants to bring good things. So if, you, if you'd love to receive, then one of the ways that I've found to be really helpful is you open your hands. When you give someone a gift, you have to open your hands to receive it. So why don't you do that if you're up for it? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're God. Thank you that you introduce us to Jesus. We need you. We need your love, we need your power, we need your fruit, we need your gifts. Because we've tried doing this Jesus life without you and it doesn't work. So Holy Spirit, would you come, would you flood us with your mercy and your grace? Would you give us power for life? Would you speak to our hearts? Come and transform things. and touch our lives. Holy Spirit.